Well, good morning, everyone. You already sound like you've had a lot of turkey and dressing over the weekend, maybe a few days of extra leftovers. Am I talking to anybody today? Well, it's a, it's a joy to be with you here today. I just want to continue to follow up what I mentioned last week. If you were not here last week, uh, or perhaps uh, you have not had a chance to listen to last Sunday's study in the Lord's Prayer, I want to highly encourage you to pick up these prayer cards. Come and get some more. Let me give you a few more ways you can use these. Children, you have to wait too. Uh, you have to wait. Some, some of you uh, have uh, to wait for the school bus. Sometimes you have to wait for your parents to come pick you up. Sometimes uh, you uh, just find yourselves in a period of time. But how about taking uh, a set of these prayer cards and put them in your backpack? Another way you can uh, do that, <clears throat> use these, is when uh, I, I have found to be very, very helpful to mail them when I, sometimes my wife and I, when we send a friend or a family member a birthday card, uh, in the birthday card, we will put some kind of a scripture card or scripture reference. Why not these? Send them as a way to encourage your friend, your loved one, your family member in the, in, in the practicing and discipline of prayer. I can't tell you how many times over the years when someone has experienced the loss of a loved one that in their time of mourning and in their time of grief, I can assure you that the Lord's Prayer and the praying of the Lord's Prayer has been a source of great comfort for many people. So why not, when you send a sympathy card to someone telling them that you're thinking and praying for them, that you include these two prayer cards. There are so many ways. Put them in your car. Put them at your kitchen table. Some of you may want to just pull out your phone and take a picture of this and have it on your phone. You get the idea? Have this with you whenever those pockets of time, five minutes, ten minutes, come, and you can spend that time alone quietly before your Father in heaven, praying through the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray when he said, this is the way you should pray. Now, we're going to continue somewhat on that theme today, that theme of surrender, because the Lord's Prayer is the prayer of a surrendered person to God and to the values and realities of the kingdom of God. And we're going to do that today by turning in our Bibles, and I would encourage you, if you do have your Bibles, to turn with me to the second chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look at the first 11 verses of this. This is, we're in, we're in rich, rich ground today, fertile soil today, one of the great, great passages in all of the New Testament that speaks of the nature of Christ Jesus and what he came to do for us. Now, our English translations, in some respects, do us a disjustice with these chapter and verse divisions. You know, please help me. You know, please, please say that you know this to help me. In the original manuscripts, you know that there are not chapter and verse divisions. Do you realize that? 
They have been inserted just for our reference in God, but they were not. And sometimes, sometimes those who have done these many, you know, many, many years ago, they, they do it right. This one they didn't do well. Because in order to understand the first 11 verses of chapter 2 of Philippians, you have to understand the verses that lead up to it. So we're going to actually begin this morning at chapter 1, verse 29, to connect the flow of thought. So if you're able, in honor of the Word of God, would you please stand with me? And let us read these powerful verses from the end of Philippians chapter 1 into 2. This is the reading of God's Word. Let us give heed to it. Chapter 1, verse 29. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Chapter 2, verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. May God the Holy Spirit, who is the author of this word, may he give us understanding in its truth and in its application to our lives. Let's bow in a word of prayer and ask the Lord Jesus to be our teacher this morning. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. We praise and magnify your holy and eternal covenant and great name. You alone are worthy. And we realize today as we approach this passage of scripture, we are on holy ground. For it shows us the pattern and life, the mindset, the attitude that we should have coming from the example set before us by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So we pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds. Help us to be attentive this morning to the witness of your Holy Spirit speaking to us through the word of God to show us those areas of our life that need to be examined in order that we may more fully follow the pattern that Christ showed us in his ministry upon this earth. Holy Spirit of God, be our illuminator. Reveal the truth of God in our hearts today, we pray. 
And yes, O oh God, for the one who speaks, he is certainly not worthy to proclaim these truths. He falls so far short of them in so many ways. Please hear his prayers for the forgiveness of his sins, for he knows that there are many. In this time, we want to see and understand in a deeper and greater way your fullness, O Lord Jesus Christ, and how we may walk in your path. Speak to us this morning, we pray. We ask it in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. It was about five, I think it was about five years ago, um, as I was thinking about uh, this morning's study my mind was brought back to remember something that happened about this time, right this time, five years ago. You see, by this time five years ago, I was about, oh, 13 or so months into widowhood, still mourning and still grieving, as my precious wife Beth was also. We had certainly not connected with one another back again, uh, I was still living in western Pennsylvania, and uh, I, I was having a, uh, one of those times where, you know, as the Advent season and Christmas season starts to approach, uh, we had just had a, a Thanksgiving time with our family like you did, and it was about five years ago that <clears throat> uh, I was walking my dog in the, late in the afternoon. I remember distinctly it was a Saturday. And uh, you need to know something about the neighborhood that I was living in there in Butler, Pennsylvania. It was a wonderful neighborhood. Everybody knew everyone. We did so many things together as a neighborhood. We would have progressive dinners, we, you know, where you go eat salad at one house and the main course at another and dessert at another home. We would have fish fries in the summertime. I mean, it was just a wonderful neighborhood to, to live in. When somebody went on vacation, the, you know, the, those of us who were behind, we mowed their, mowed their lawn. I mean, it was one of those kind of neighborly, we, 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 we loved and appreciated one another as neighbors, practically speaking, the whole neighborhood. So we, we knew one another pretty well. And so it was about the Saturday after Thanksgiving, about five years ago, 2018, that it was just a maybe... 20 minutes, 30 minutes before dusk settled over the land. And it was, it was one of those rare days in western Pennsylvania where the weather was wonderful and people were outside, many of them were, putting on their Christmas decorations and putting them up. And so I'm walking along with my little, my little bell, my little Bichon, and we were walking along when all of a sudden at the third house there was Dave and Sandy's house. And they were so engaged with one another as they were putting on their Christmas lights that they had no idea that Belle and I were walking by. But you could hear them talking to one another at least 20 yards away. And they were doing this. You see, what was happening is they were putting up their Christmas lights and they were up on the roof. They had not only were putting their they they had not only put on their icicle lights on the gutters, they were now up on the ridge line of the house putting their lights up. 
And they were talking to one another, but it was not very good talk. Back and forth, back and forth. They were just giving each other a fit. And so here, Bell and I come just kind of moseling on along when there was this magic moment when they finally realized that we were standing about right where their mailbox was, looking right up at them, and they realized that we heard every single word that they had been to one another. And it was one of those moments, I got to be honest with you, it doesn't happen many times with me, but all of a sudden, I felt like I needed to break out in song. And so, you know, I looked right at him, and this is what I said. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Oh, it gets better. It, it, it gets better. Much better. Not my singing, but I know me. He, Dave, looks right at me and he says, Bah humbug. It gets better. And then she, Sandy, points, he didn't point, she points her finger at me and says, Grinch, Grinch. <laughs> I asked myself as I walked away, how have we gotten to this place in our lives? Here we are in the midst of preparing, hopefully, to celebrate and to remember the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and to be reminded of his great love and mission for us. And all we can do in the midst of putting up all of the stuff that we, have, that we want to put up, we have this going all the time. The Apostle James has a word for that in his epistle. He says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. <laughs> so what I want to do this morning is I hope and pray that the Word of God would prepare our minds and our hearts for a true celebration of Advent. In the midst of all of the busyness, craziness, and hoopla that exists in the world today, and in our lives as a congregation, with all the comings and goings and everything that happens, I personally believe that the best way that we can prepare our hearts for a true, true celebration of Advent is to follow the path and example of the Lord Jesus Christ in his incarnation for us. And there have been many people who have studied the scriptures much more deeply than any of us here in this room. And they're here to tell us today 
that of all the defining features and character qualities that exist in the spectrum that defines our Savior, some have even gone to say, and I agree with them, that the number one virtue that was exhibited and displayed for all to see in the life of our Savior was humility. And it is my contention. You definitely see it here in Philippians 2. You see it in Ephesians. You see it in Colossians. You see it in Peter's letters. You see it in Paul's letters to, to the Corinthians. You see it all throughout the New Testament. You definitely see it modeled in the four Gospels. The pattern that Jesus set before us is one of humility. Now, I know that this text is so rich and so deep that there would be no way for me to be able to expound to you all the truths of this text. So in your worship guide this morning, I've given you, you have the exact same notes word for word as I have up here. And what I, I've done that on purpose because what I want you to do in the days to come, next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. What I want to challenge you and me both to do today and in this forthcoming week is to quiet ourselves from all of this hectic commotion, yeah, 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 going on in the world today and in our hearts and in our homes and quiet ourselves to think about the humility of Christ because I believe that in a church that exhibits and practices and sees humility displayed amongst each other, it is when that is done that the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ is seen. So in a sense, what you could say is this Sunday's study matches and connects with the last two Sundays. How so? Two Sundays ago, we saw that in Colossians 2, 9, and 10, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and we, the church, have been given that fullness in Christ. But sometimes, because of wounds, because of addictions, because of idols, and many other things, that fullness is blocked. And so Jesus is repeatedly standing at the door of our lives as a congregation and us personally, and he's knocking on the door just like he did to the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3. And he says, I want to come in, and I want to sup with you. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to commune and abide with you. But these things will, are blocking this door from allowing it to open. So the key of surrender, as we saw two weeks ago, is the key that unlocks that door and allows the fullness of Christ to come in. We saw last week that the way a surrendered person operates and works to understand and to show the values of the kingdom of God is by praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. The Lord's prayer is, a, is the prayer of a surrendered life to the kingdom of God. Today in this text, as we prepare for Advent, we find for us 
modeled and exampled by the Lord Jesus, the life of a surrendered person to the values, to the mission, to the realities of the kingdom of God. So I'm not going to be able to go through all of these notes today, but here, in, in a sense, is what I want to try, to try to go with us in the moments that are here before us. Paul tells us in chapter 2, verse 5, these words, have this same attitude, or some translations say, have this same mind, others say, have this same understanding. The idea is this is a commitment of the mind and the heart. This is a command. This is not a suggestion. This is not a committee recommendation. This is given to us in the imperative. And it's interesting to see that when you grasp the flow of Paul's thought in this text, you'll see why its connection to chapter 1, verses 29 to 30 is so important. Look at verse 29. Paul says, it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him. Now, we like to hear that as Presbyterians. God has granted us to believe in him. We like to hear that. But notice what it also says, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer. Now, that's something nobody likes to hear, but God oftentimes grants by his providence for us to travel a path of suffering in our life. So when we understand the flow of Paul's thought, this text is directly related to belief and to suffering. So what's going to help you understand and know God better? What's going to help you get through times of suffering and trial in your life? These first 11 verses explain that for us of chapter 2. And I'm holding in my hand here now, again, don't necessarily try to follow the notes this morning. I'm going to kind of weave in and out here, okay? Just listen to me this morning. You have plenty of time to read that later this week, I assure you. I'm holding in my hand a very common tool that carpenters, builders use, and when we were having some home renovations done on our homes, we had you know, doors taken down and painted and all like that. What, what do I have in my hand here, if you can see it? What is it? It's a hinge. And you'll notice that in the hinge, there are two brackets, one on either side and a pin that goes down and connects these two brackets. May I suggest to you, when you look at this text here before us today, that the pin that secures these two bodies of thought is the command that Paul gives in chapter 2, verse 5. This pin is, have this same attitude, which was in Christ Jesus. All right, how am I to have this attitude of Christ Jesus in my life? How am I to have this same sense of humility because the focus, before he even says uh, in verse 5, have the same attitude, 
Look at verse 2 or verse 3. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, in humility, in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. That is about humility. That is about that attitude that we should have. It's the attitude that should mark our lives when we go into Advent. We should have a humble spirit before Almighty God, wanting to follow the steps of our Savior. Think of the, all the things that Jesus experienced in his coming into the world, into Bethlehem, the flight into pilgrimage to Bethlehem to begin with. Then he got there and there was no room in the inn. He, there was rejection there. And then they only, the only thing they could find was a stable, a manger to put him in. That's not normally the, what you would do for the arrival of a grand and glorious king, but that's how Jesus chose to enter the world in humility. And so he's asking, Paul is saying to believers, I want you to have this same attitude, to follow this same mindset, this same heart rendering. So what's going to enable you to do that? Here are the two brackets of thought that will enable you to do that. The first bracket is the first four verses of chapter 2. Look at all of the resources that God provides for you from your union with Christ that gives you the power to be able to do it. Notice verse 1. This is actually in chapter 2, verse 1 and following, this is what is known as a first-class conditional sentence in the original language, which it assumes it to be true. So you can actually take the word if and substitute with the word since. Since there is encouragement of, of Christ, since there is comfort from his love, since there is participation in the Spirit, since there is affection and sympathy. All of these resources and many, many more that come from our union in Christ, these resources, this power, these values of the kingdom of God, they are made available to you and to me because of our union with Christ. So we are able in this world today to have the humble attitude of Christ because, number one, of the power that God gives to us from our union of Christ, with Christ. But then the second bracket here is, is just as powerful and maybe even more in that we have the, the human example of the Lord Jesus Christ in how he showed his humility. May I even say it this way, how he showed his humiliation in this world before us, beginning at verse 6. Christ, although he was in the form of God. Now, there has been so much discussion and debate over that phrase. Trust me, trust me when I tell you this. There have been more church fathers, more Bible teachers, more students of the Bible through the centuries that have written on these verses, starting at verse 6, in terms of trying to understand what is the form of God and what does it mean that Jesus emptied himself. 
There have been so many things written. I'm not making this up. It's true. They would fill this entire room and it would go out the, the, the door in terms of the number of papers, books, chronicles that have been written about that. The crux of the issue is what does the form of God mean? Well, as you see here in the text here, and in the, the notes that I've given you that you can look up later, whatever side you take on this, you're going to get a licking on it. I personally believe that, 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 that the word is so rare, morphe, is where we get the, the English word metamorphosis, the changing of a caterpillar to a butterfly. What does it mean that Christ was in the form of God? I believe, and you'll see the notes there, if I'm to have the attitude that same attitude of humility, am I to have the attitude of God becoming man? Well, if so, I can't identify with the divine coming human. That's on, a, that's on a level far above me. However, if I'm to have an attitude of the man, Christ Jesus, the one who stripped himself and emptied himself of his right to power, and control. And he came and he walked as a normal human being to begin with, but then he humbled himself by becoming a servant. He then humbled himself further by being mocked and being spit upon. He humbled himself further by being beaten and tortured. He humbled himself further by hanging being brutally nailed to a cross. He humbled himself even further as people walked by as his blood was being poured out on the cross from the nails that were driven in his hands, crying out, if you're the king of the Jews, then come down and save, save yourself and save us. But he surrendered that right to power to his heavenly father. He even went further to die, to say it was finished, and to be laid in a tomb. And it was at that point of utter, complete degradation and humiliation that it says in verses 9 through 11 that God the Father highly exalted him by not only raising him from the dead, but ascending him to the highest place in the heavens. It's sort of what the end of Matthew 19 says when Jesus says, the last shall be first. It is that kind of attitude that we are to portray where the pen of this bracket, the, the, of this hinge is have this same attitude because of the resources that you have in Christ, number one. Secondly, the example the person of Christ who has given us this example to follow. Oh, my friends, make no bones about it. Christmas is a lot of things. Advent is a lot of things. And there are many aspects of Advent that we should, traditions and things that we should embrace and love. But my prayer for us today is to help us to understand that if we're going to truly follow the Lord Jesus Christ, when we remember Advent, we remember his 
humility. We remember his humiliation. Because he came, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped as a human being. There was another group of people, two people, that did consider equality with God something to be grasped, Adam and Eve. And so could it be that when Paul says here in verse 6, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be guessed, could it be that he was remembering that when Jesus walked upon this earth as a human being, fully God, yes, fully man, yes, he surrendered his right to power and control as the second Adam, not following what they did in Genesis 3, 5, and 6. They looked and they saw that the fruit was wise and could make them like God. And so Adam and Eve partake of that, ate of that fruit. Jesus surrendered that right to control in his humility and humiliation. Look at the very end of your sermon outline in the notes that are in your worship guide. This is a human-based humility following the example of Christ in point five, the application. Following the example of Jesus, the incarnate Emmanuel who plummeted the depths of humanness to the lowest level of existence possible. This helps us to understand chapter 1, verses 29 and 30. It's been granted to you not only believe, but also to suffer. You're following the steps of Christ. Peter has something to say about that in 1 Peter chapter 3 and chapter 5. It's another attempt by Paul to show that Christ is the second Adam like he did in Romans 5. It adds great texture and depth to Christian humility. And it shows us that God exalts the humble. When this kind of humility is practiced within the church, the fullness of Jesus Christ is present. I want you to say that phrase with me right now, please. When this kind of humility, say it with me, when this kind of humility is practiced within the church, the fullness of Christ is present. This should mark our attitude, our preparation for Advent as we come to God. And so I begin, I'll set the pace here, I'll begin by simply confessing and repenting. Oh God, there have been times in my life, according to this text, there have been times where I did things from selfish ambition or vain conceit. But your word tells me, oh God, that in humility I am to count others more significant than myself. I am not to look just to my own interest, but I'm also to look to the interest of others. I'm to have the same attitude in mind as Christ in his humility and humiliation. Elders, deacons, staff members, listen to me. God calls us to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility to count others more significant than yourselves. 
We should not look just to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. We should have that same mind among ourselves, which was ours in Christ Jesus, in his humility and in his humiliation. Men of the church, younger men, older men, listen to me. We are to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility to count others more significant than ourselves, We should look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. We should have this mind among ourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, in his humility and in his his humiliation. And women in the church, younger women, older women, listen to me. We are to do nothing, you are to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility to count others more significant than yourselves. You should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. You are to have this mind among you, which was in Christ Jesus, in his humility and in his, humili- and in his humiliation. Have I left anybody out? No. This is addressed to the people of God. And I believe it should mark, as we quiet our hearts and prepare for Advent, Perhaps for some today, this may be a breakthrough in your life when you and I humble ourselves before God, remembering the path of humility and humiliation that our Savior took. Oh, may this be a a memorable Advent season as we enter it in just a few days, as we seek to follow the path of humility and humiliation of our Savior. Think about it. Let's bow in prayer. God, our Father, I just feel like crawling into a corner. There's so many ways that I personally have not shown this attitude of humility, and yet it is the very heart of the life and mission of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. It is the very essence of his sacrificial work for us, and you call us by your grace to walk in these steps of humility, to follow the example of of Christ, knowing that we have the resources from our union in Christ and knowing that we have the example of our Savior who was a servant to do this. So speak to our lives in these days as we prepare for Advent to follow the path of our Savior in his attitude. We ask this in his blessed name and for his sake. Amen. Would you please stand?